0: one of you tell me what the difference is between an indie developer and an indie veteran developer?
1: Um, I would guess someone who's, you know, made indie games for- Well, I was gonna say who's made indie games for a long time. Indie games haven't necessarily been a thing for what I would call a long time. I don't know where this story is going. What 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 what, what you, what's what's happening?
2: At this point okay. I would if you were to, to say that to me, the first name that would pop into my head would be someone like Brian Fargo, because he's a veteran of the industry and is now making kind of indie stuff.
1: Yeah. But he
0: he is still an indie developer, even if he's a veteran developer, right? The clue you yeah. you would think is in the name. Yeah. It's just no, I d I don't often republish hate mail. Most of it's just real spite that I send straight into the bin. But every now and then I get someone so confident and yet so wrong that I am wholly entertained before I then throw them straight in the bin as well. But I had to share this one. I, I tweeted it out. Um, I-, I did a Jim Impressions video for Sea of Solitude that game that I think we were trying to remember the name of on this podcast a little while back, Um, the girl with the sea and the boat that EA showed off at E3 like the year before last. Um, It's part of the EA Originals label, um, which is a label specifically made by EA for indie developers.
1: Yeah, it's 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 like Unraveled stuff like that. Yeah,
0: Unravel. Um, uh, Faye, is it Faye or the other one?
2: Games that they talk about at E3, then you never hear about again until it just suddenly releases. Yes,
0: yes. Um, basically, the EA Originals label is that that one thing EA does that's good that they're currently using to justify all the bad shit they do because they've done a good thing for a couple of studios that aren't the ones they bought and shut the fuck down. But anyway, I did a impressions video for Sea of Solitude and I called it a, a critical darling indie game about mental health. Very much like all the other critical darling indie games about mental health, which I said as a joke, didn't mean it um, as a slight per se, except to say that I've played so many of them, I expect them to be outstanding to keep my attention. Yeah. Um. Because I do I do like them, they do resonate with me. But anyway, so I, I called it an indie game because it is, because from Sea of Solitude's own wiki, Jomei Games is a Berlin-based independent game studio which is developing Sea of Solitude. Yeah. So I get this email, and I think the only way that this email can be read is by... um. At something of an aristocrat with some elite gamer wisdom. Um,
1: ah, yes, yes. So,
0: um, uh, Aniel, do hardcore core, if you could come here, please. Thank you. Um, I'm just going
3: to give him the microphone. <clears throat> FFS, Jim. This game isn't made by an indie developer. They're more like indie veteran developers, which is totally different than true homegrown. The comparison is night and day! Team members, former jobs, budgets! You say you are a fucking game reviewer and reporter! So do some investigating first! Every single time you say, made by an indie developer, I find out that you are basically wrong most of the time. But fine, whatever. If they're not EA and the others, then they're indie. Okay, okay, cool. Royston, I'm not an arsehole. I'm a veteran asshole.
2: So this person needs to hire a investigative journalist to investigate the meaning of the word veteran.
1: Yes. And, and what the word Indie is short for, I think, as well. So in, in that context, like, veteran is a modifier on Indie. Like, it doesn't stop them being Indie. It's like, oh, you're an Indie developer who has been doing this a while.
2: So to them, veteran means an Indie with AAA uh, fund funding. Is that what veteran means to this person?
0: I don't. No. I mean, the, the list, it lists team... And I realise some people think it's tasteless for me to go on and on about hate mail or, or haters whenever we do bring it up, but this one is just so amazing. Um, like the, the examples to show the comparison is night and day is team members, former jobs, budgets. So in order to be a, a true homegrown indie, in their words, you need to have not had any previous job in the game industry... You've got to have, I guess, a handful of team members and
1: no money.
2: You need to have not served served in the armed forces.
1: Yes! <laughs> yeah, so, like, I'm trying to think of developers that this person wouldn't consider indie devs, and the one that jumps to mind is uh, 22Cans, the Peter Molyneux team. Like, yep, that's someone who's, like, an industry veteran. Like, for better or worse, the quality of their games, you know, that have... Uh, Lots of people with previous experience in the industry. Lots of people that used to be at Lionhead. they got money. They've got a reasonably big team. Are they not indie anymore? Because they seem pretty indie. I'll
2: be honest... I feel like we've given too much time to a stupid opinion on the internet. Yeah, we probably have. There are so many to pick from and and it's always the ones who are the least thoughtful and the least researched and know the least that are by far the most confident about their views.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Like, I realise that this is a bit tacky. I, I, I will fully own that. <laughs> it was just so funny. It was just so funny. The EA Originals label is specifically noted by EA to be for indies. It's, it was the sheer confidence juxtaposed against the 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 weirdly arbitrary wrongness. But that that made my day. That
2: just happened. That sums up the world at the moment, really, doesn't it? <laughs> kind of, yeah. On Un- like demonstrable wrongness backed up by you know arrogance and self-assuredness. <laughs> yeah. That is 2019 in in a nutshell.
0: I have incredible personal news today. Okay. (sighs) Outside of that, something that is going to put a smile on everyone's face. What is it? Right. A popcorn shard is out of my gum. (sighs) How long has it been there? A long time. To the point where I started to doubt it was there and that it was just a wound from me trying to get it out. We're talking Independence Day, July 4th, when I went to see Mysterio, Far From Mysterio. <laughs> like, uh. I was munching away on popcorn, as you do, in a, in the movie theatre. Yeah, as you do. And every now and then, people who eat popcorn will know that sometimes there is this risk of a, bit, a shard from a hard bit from the shell will go into your gum. Yeah.
1: Or... It, I've I've occasionally had it go between two teeth, and it feels like it's pushing oh. the teeth slightly. It's like, Ugh. oh, that's an uncomfortable sensation. Yeah, also really bad to do.
0: Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, this bit got in, and I and I felt it, and brush, 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 floss, 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 brush, 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 floss, floss, floss. floss. Get a bit of a collar of my shirt whenever I'm not near a toothbrush. Rub, 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 rub. rub, rub. Um, just to get something coarse and abrasive to try and get stuff out, pick at it, pull at it. Um, I couldn't see it when I looked in the mirror. So it eventually got to a point where it had been so long, I was just like, well, maybe it is just inflamed now, and it did go. But there was always this thing in my head that was like, it's got to be still there. It feels like it's
1: there all the time. Trust yourself, Jim. Don't, Don't doubt yourself. Yeah. Know what you know to be true.
0: I was going to give it like a little bit more and then I was going to go see the dentist because I, I live in America and dentistry is expensive. Mm. So I'm like, if I, I won't go unless I really have to. Um, and then just before we started recording, in between us starting recording and me getting that hilarious eight mail, <laughs> uh, I was just idly going at my gum with my tongue and then just boop, just boop. Out it pops.
2: Take some advice from me. If you think something is stuck in your body, check. Get someone to check. Because we, we I don't know if you guys remember the time I stepped on the nail. Oh, mm. yeah. Only, f- only found out two weeks later after the x-ray that the nail was inside my foot. No.
0: <laughs> no. Is it still there?
2: No, they took it out.
0: Oh, uh. That would be amazing. You could be old Nailfoot. Nailfoot. <laughs> the legend of old Nailfoot. Oh god, it feels great having that out. Uh so Jim, what 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 did you think of the, the Mysterio film? Uh oh, did we we didn't talk about it about it. No. No, no, I, it hadn't come out no. yet. I. I won't do any spoilers for people who are worried. Same, same. I really enjoyed it. It's certainly not the direction I'd have gone with with their Mysterio, but. They committed to the direction and there are certain scenes in that film involving Mysterio... That I was grinning ear to ear from. As a well noted huge Mysterio fan,
2: the effects and the,
0: the certain sequences, I was like, this is what, this is all I needed.
2: So, what you're saying is people can take beloved characters and put them in a different direction we're not used to, and you don't have to <laughs> shit your nappy over it.
0: Yes, ah! yes, yes. yes, yes. Like I said, yes. absolutely not the yes. direction I'd have gone in, um, not one I was hoping to see. I didn't get what I hoped to see out of Mysterio, but. I still got a very entertaining Mysterio God. with Jake Gyllenhaal doing a really fine performance with a really interesting mm-hmm. motivation for the, for the character. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm on board. The moment, like, the film started sh- with, with like, like, it opened showing off some Mysterio action, and I was, I, Justin was with me, and he, he just went and patted me on the shoulder with this sort of, <laughs> I'm happy for you, while I was just there just going, ah!
1: It was such a just well-paced fun film that like after after the the quite somber stuff that was Endgame where it, everything was very sort of drum and drab and the end of an era this was like a really interesting direction not only for like okay this is our next big arc how we're setting that direction off and for what they're doing with Spider-Man but yeah Jake Gyllenhaal did a real good job of Mysterio I I was not sold on him as an actor. I thought I would be distracted by the, oh, it's the big Hollywood handsome face man. I thought that would distract me too much. Not at all.
2: No, he was great. I can't see him as anything but Donnie Darko. Even in like watching Jarhead, I'm like, that's Donnie Darko.
0: (laughs) I tell you what, he was really good in in Velvet Buzzsaw. It's the Netflix original Mm. film. It's not a film I... Loved. I, I watched it once.
3: Mm. I, I'll
0: probably never watch it again. But his character in Velvet Buzzsaw is, was very good, very um, not the kind of character I think many would associate with him as a performer. So yeah. I, I love seeing actors who are known mm. and thought of as one thing going out of their way to do something different, like Bruce Willis in Death Becomes Her. That was one of the earliest times yeah. I was really oh, yeah. impressed with an actor going outside of their usual.
2: Hudson, Hudson Hawk as well.
1: Mm. Mm. I... I think that Jake Gyllenhaal's casting was really smart just because, like, the kind of person he is as an actor and that we see him as already is exactly the kind of person that they made his character in his version of Mysterio. Like, he had to be the suave person that people immediately go, oh, that's, the, that's a handsome, handsome good boy. Ah, uh, it was a good film. That's great. And, I mean, I'd already seen trailers and everything,
0: of course, and I, yeah. I'd already gotten my little fucking Mysterio action figure in because I'm a mark for yeah. merchandise of a big fishbowl-headed weirdo. But to see it on the screen yeah. in all its glory, that faithful, the fishbowl and everything, I was like, this is this is great.
1: I wasn't even, like... I didn't think the plot was it was really that surprising. Like, there weren't many things I didn't sort of see coming from the offset. Like, if you know even the basics about Mysterio, you'll probably be able to guess where the plot is going. But, like, I didn't care. It was a great journey to get there. Yeah. It, it was
0: the bits that... There, there were bits that were dragged a little, and, you know, not everything hit the way it should, but pretty much everything. Everything they did that was good was very, very, very good, um, and and yeah, the, the the effects were really nice in this one, and and served a real purpose instead of just being you know wankery from studio budgets and and art teams and whatnot. Ah, oh, I got my Mysterio film. I got my Mysterio film That makes up for me thinking Starscream was going to be in the Bumblebee film But instead it was Blitzwing Who they
1: just made look like Starscream for no reason I'm glad you got your Mysterio film I'm glad you're happy with it
0: (laughs) Yeah I got one out of two Of the things I'm a mark for being in films It's not It's very unusual Like there's a lot of things I like And I like to see adaptations of things I like But I'm such a big fan of Mysterio I'm like this must be how like proper full on hardcore comic book fans must feel all the time. I was that delighted and elated to finally see Mysterio up there. Brilliant.
2: The only time I can remember feeling that was uh during Lord of the Rings. It was the only time I can remember a movie really really living up to the the hype that I had put onto it.
0: Mm-hmm. They are excellent films still. I still every now and then make set some time aside to rewatch them.
2: Oh yeah, they're they're masterclasses in in just yep. cinematography and Acting and and my boy Brad
0: DeRiff's in there. Yes, <laughs> so he's
2: so excellent as Worm Tongue. Take note, certain other people. That is how you end an epic saga. <laughs> yeah.
0: Good times, good times had by everyone. Yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a good good time. Yeah. Well, what do you want to talk about now? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I haven't seen your video on Sea of Solitude, Jim. Uh, but uh, so I don't know what you think about it. But I really liked this one. I thought it was great.
0: Yeah. although it was pretty good. I thought it was... It was decent. It was decent. Um, A little on the nose for my taste.
2: That's so funny. That is exactly my one... Uh, that's my one thing I, I didn't like about it was I found both the voice acting and the writing were a little goofy and on the nose at times.
0: Yeah, about as subtle as hammers at times. Yeah. It's like the moment you see a monster that sounds and looks like the protagonist, call the protagonist a piece of shit, Like, which happens right at the beginning. I'm like, oh, OK, now I know exactly where this game is going. And it went there.
2: I feel like maybe with the different voice actors, though, they could have made that writing work. I, there was something... I don't know. I thought maybe I'm just being racist, and I think German sounds goofy when people speak English and German. <laughs>
0: it might be. You might be going a little bit Brexit, a little bit Tory on us.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going over to, like, make a sign for, like... You know, Boris Johnson's going to stop us having, like, German people in our video games.
0: <laughs> oh, Boris Johnson's going to stop everything from happening because the world will collapse <laughs> around his weird head. Imagine how we
2: feel. Yeah, <laughs> We've got Trump to the left of us, Boris to the right, here we are, stuck in the middle in the EU.
0: <laughs> um, right, so Sea of Solitude, I liked it. I didn't love it. I... We'll never go back to play it again. Um, but I, I don't regret having played it the first time.
2: It's definitely a one-timer, yeah. Um, and I won't go back to it either. But I don't I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing.
0: No. If, if I were to praise something, though, like wholeheartedly, it would be the audiovisual stuff. The yeah. music is delightful. Yeah. And the monster designs I found incredible. Um, Everything sort of stylistically tied in with this sort of black, uh, oily appearance with this, these glowing red eyes. Um but there's like a monster chameleon and a monster like Gorgon-like creature. Mm-hmm. And they they all looked wildly different, but all unified by certain stylistic uh, coherences. Yeah. And I loved them. I absolutely loved every monster design in that game.
2: Yeah, I love the visual design, especially the environment. The, uh, and particularly when it, like in the game, it's kind of this dark stormy weather. And what you do is you go around and find light to light it up again. And when the city lights up and you get those beautiful oranges and blues and reds, and it just is such a, a gorgeous sight to behold. Yeah.
0: It's a, it's a game that uses its visuals to really cement a tone. Yeah. At no point, I mean, this is where the unsubtlety does work a little in its favour, because at no point do you feel like the game's ambiguous about how the world is feeling and how the character is feeling. Um, the The visuals and the sounds set that up perfectly
2: a clever use of visuals as metaphor as well because every time the sea uh rises or every time the sea parts and you go further down into the seabed you're uh you're delving into memories from longer ago and deeper down repressed memories and stuff and then you get these gorgeous vistas where you're on the seabed but there are kind of uh, cliffs of waves all around you and it's just really it's just a really nice game to look at
0: yeah um, Audio-visual, I've got no issue with. Gameplay is a mixed bag. It's yeah. like got very rudimentary puzzle platforming. And I mean very rudimentary. Uh, and and the same could be said for stealth to the point where I hesitate to even call it stealth. Um, it's more just like keep away. It's games that keep away, either with you as the protagonist keeping yourself away or holding something to keep it away. I
2: found those bits a little clunky, all right, where you have to grab the thing and run away.
0: That was... Was it just me or did the things chasing you sometimes feel arbitrarily quicker than you and other times just did not?
2: Yeah, it was weird. I couldn't tell what I had done wrong when they caught me and I couldn't tell what I had done right when they didn't. Yes.
0: Like, I I don't even know if this this is superstition on my part or if it mechanically worked, but I found that jumping instead of running, just jump, 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 (laughs) got me through those bits where simply trying to run did not. Wow. Um... But in any case, I mean, I got through it. I I finished the game last night uh, and I liked it. Yeah, I I liked it. I didn't love it. But then some of the criticism I had about Gris last year could be shared with this in that the game itself doesn't necessarily do a lot wrong. It's just I've seen so many games tackle these themes now, um, many of which have been more exceptional in doing so.
2: Maybe the fact that I don't play many of these kinds of games is why I liked like Gris and this a little bit more than.
0: It may be so. Yeah. Yeah, no criticism exists in a bubble, so I've ob- I've had this come up with um, open world games as well, where I've gotten sick of them and survival games. I've gotten sick of these genres often a lot quicker than others.
2: And, and, and after spending a week playing Bloodstained, in which the platforming in my opinion is utter bollocks, uh, it was nice to have some easy... <laughs> easy platforming
0: yeah see i don't agree there but um
2: seriously i love i love that game but the platforming i just find it really really annoying especially the bits where it goes into this fake 3d and you're you're trying to figure out the perspective and stuff yeah people are going to be so mad that i criticized that game
0: I mean, I've, I've got no argument. It feels to you how it feels to you.
2: It's a bloody fantastic game. I just can't stand the platforming. I, I, I don't mind the momentum. It's just when you have to do precise jumps, it always feels like just a little bit off to me. But, you know, gotcha. that's just me.
0: I can, historically, I can understand what you mean. I didn't feel it with this one, but the DNA this game has coming from Castlevania. Yeah. The Belmonts can't jump for shit. There should be a follow-up to White Men Can't Jump, simply called Belmonts Can't Jump, because jumping in Castlevania has always been for
2: shit. Yeah, I'm probably just spoiled from other easier, like, because you know the way Mario, if you jump just after you've gone off the edge, he'll still jump. But in this game, that doesn't happen, and you just fall.
0: (laughs) Yeah, can't say I had that issue.
2: So basically what I'm saying is I suck. (laughs) I suck, and every game developer should be forced to cater to my suckage. (laughs) It's, it should be a law. When I'm president, that will be the law. All games will Absolutely. have a stupid easy mode for me, especially Sekiro. Oh,
0: the the true hardcore gamers will not like that. <laughs> but it will
1: keep Amiel in business. I I will back you up on that. Give all the games stupid easy modes for for for, for both yes. of us. <laughs> yep. I'll join you in playing stupid easy mode. Yeah,
2: yeah. Nice, very nice little game. And despite how goofy and on the nose it was at times, I did. Uh, towards the end I felt quite affected By the story Especially the relationship With the mother and father I thought was Was done well And yeah. the way it wrapped up As well I thought was really cool And really nice And I, I think yeah It's definitely worth Checking out If you like those kind of games
0: Yeah Someone said to me That um, they, they thought I would have been A lot harsher on it If it wasn't about Mental health issues Which is a weird guess That someone made uh, But then again Someone on Facebook said Oh I swear They could slap um that it's about mental health on the front of slaughtering grounds and you'd say it was the best game ever made. Clearly came from someone who didn't watch my video because my video was mostly criticism and towards the end I started talking about Jason Lives.
2: <laughs> you know, I feel like I feel like it was about maybe about mental health kind of in a different way than other like Grizz to me seemed like a metaphor. For depression but this game was more about kind of um it was you know it was about relationships and learning how how to let go of them and stuff like that i wouldn't i wouldn't strictly call it a mental health story uh,
0: i would say it's it, the mental health issue because they they say themselves in promotion that it's a game um predominantly about loneliness that's the term that keeps coming up yeah um I think the the mental health issues of loneliness and isolation and depression that do come up kind of weave throughout. Yeah. And then it hits these bigger themes along the way of communication, uh, family relationships, romantic relationships. Um, the biggest takeaway from me was communication, was people talking to each other, yeah. knowing when not to talk to each other, and knowing you know how to approach each other's problems and be considerate of others and what they need while at the same time understanding that you have needs as well and i thought all the themes within them were very resonant with me i think it's just there was something about the the way the game presented it with that hammer approach that just took me out of it a little um but it's certainly not a game i could not understand others being very deeply affected by but people watch videos before you comment on them please (laughs) fucking say that i was i would call it the best game ever or that I wouldn't criticise the game, even though the video was full of criticisms. Just like the other person the other day when I did that video about um, the kids cleaning out their family's bank account because they spent money on FIFA. Oh, yeah. And someone replies with, well, shouldn't the parents take responsibility? I mean, clearly you didn't watch the fucking video
1: because I talked about the bit where the father took responsibility. Uh, fun fun thing about loot boxes that I'm going to be writing about this week Uh, So I interviewed the people behind Roblox, that very popular sort of blocky game for kids a while back and like one of my big things was like, how do you like responsibly sell stuff to kids and they were like, hey no loot boxes because you probably shouldn't sell them to kids. I got very surprised this week when I saw an update where it's like, ah, Roblox, here's our uh, transparency about... If you're having loot boxes in your uh, Roblox game, you've got to make sure that the, the uh, percentages are uh, v- publicly visible. I suddenly went... Oh, my. I thought you said you weren't going to have those in there because that's bad for kids. Um, i got issue with that anyway. I mean, Roblox
0: has always been a little bit sinister from what I've seen. Everything I've seen about the way it monetizes seems insidious. But... We've got to be careful about what they tried to pull on you that first time, even without them obviously adding or, or having loot boxes and hiding it. Yeah. Even before that, I've warned people about this in many gymquisitions, this moving of the goalposts. Yeah. Just because you don't have loot boxes doesn't mean you're ethical. Many microtransactions are not. That's something in that addictive cost video I made that I tried to stress. It's not just about the gambling. That's worse but the microtransactions themselves are manipulative and often predatory.
1: To to be clear, they they also did talk about, about um, not wanting microtransactions that could be seen as predatory because of that nature of okay, well, the fact that's... that they've got a child-based audience. But loot boxes specifically, they said that that is a thing that they will not have in that game. And then suddenly yeah. I saw a post about how they're going to monitor how loot boxes are used. So Cheeky I'm bastards. digging into that this week to basically go... So what the fuck of the stuff that you told me was lies, and what actually is in here for your monetization of kids? Huh? Please do, and let me know when that
0: goes out. I'd be very interested in that.
1: I I will let you know. Like my my week is just going. Hey, so at least one thing you told me is a lie. How are you marketing your microtransactions to kids? Huh?
0: Yeah. Ooh. I mean, goddamn. And let, let's just briefly touch on on the the FIFA story. Um, yeah. Basically, a family with four kids, all under the age of ten. Uh, had their dad buy them one pack for FIFA Ultimate Team. One loot box, basically. Um, What he didn't know is they saw exactly how he did it when he did it for them, and he didn't think to, like, put protection on the account, um, credit card stuff, to stop them using it. Yep. And they kept using it here and there, trying to get their favourite player, um, eventually emptying the bank account, getting them £550 in the hole. And... EA's response when the BBC asked them about this was to just not leave a comment, but to send them community, um, not community guidelines, spending guidelines of how to limit spending uh, and stop kids doing this. At which point, in lieu of EA giving a real fucking valid excuse, we have to now admit FIFA isn't for kids and should not be rated E for everyone, should not be rated three and up. Yeah. Because if you need to offer spending guidelines and cautions for how to monitor your kids in that game, that makes it no different from an M-rated game, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and at the very least, the microtransactions should be age-gated. Yes,
0: they should be age-gated. Protection should be built into the games. Because it, here's the thing, it's obvious to us that Kids should be monitored playing a game like FIFA with Insidious microtransactions. But we follow the industry. People who listen to this podcast, people who watch my videos, are a lot closer to the industry than some average parent on the street, to whom the concept is probably really abstract. You're like, oh, what, I bought this game from a digital storefront and downloaded it, or I bought it from a high street and and brought it home. But the game itself has a store inside it with random chance purchases in it that you just buy over and over. That's weird. To me, it seems just just as obvious as it is to us that loot boxes and things should be monitored. Mm. It seems equally obvious to me that most parents would not think of such a weird, abstract, stupid concept in their ages three and up game. Yeah. That is 100%, yeah. Because it's fucking gambling. And if you want to sell fucking gambling to people... It should be fucking gated like fucking gambling.
2: Even the comparison to like sticker albums is just a bad one because at least with those you own it and at least you can steal them.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Not
0: only that. You give a kid 5 bucks, they go in there, they buy their sticker packs. They don't have unfettered unlimited access to
2: them. We used to just steal stickers when we were kids. We'd go in and steal like six packets and you'd eventually get what you wanted. <laughs> and Cheeky. then we got caught.
0: <sighs> Old Nailfoot strikes again. Stealing his
1: Panini stickers.
2: If it's not if it's not ripping sinks out of pub walls, it's stealing
1: stickers. <laughs> <laughs> Old Nailfoot strikes again. You're just you're, you're just you're just a proper Cockney criminal, ain't yeah, yeah Doing all me crimes. Oh, I'm a little bit tasty. I do it all me crimes. Oh dear. Bathroom sinks
3: and panini sticker albums. They're my stock and trade. Why?
2: <laughs> yeah, well now, now I'm the like annoyed, like angry dad who like looks out his window when there's teenagers making noise outside. So my my worst nightmare is to live next to teenage me. <laughs>
0: Uh, we create the we create our own hell, our own ironic hell here <laughs> on this earth. um But this story, absolutely, in my opinion, torpedoes EA's insistence that what they do is exactly like sticker albums. Because I've never seen a kid. Yeah. I've never seen a kid clean their parents' bank account out trying to buy Panini stickers. Yeah. yeah. Maybe someone's done it. I've not fucking seen it because, like I said a, a moment ago. Give a kid five dollars, send them into a shop and they'll come out with their stickers or whatever they fucking spent the money on. If you if you forget to protect your children from the video game you bought them to have fun with, they might bankrupt you. Yeah, that's a very
3: different scenario
0: from fucking stickers or pogs.
1: It's just totally different scales.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna dine out on this story forever.
2: Personally, I would never allow my kids access to my credit cards if I had kids, which I don't, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but that ag- again, you're 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 enough of an adult to realize you're plugged enough into the games industry to realize if you put your credit card into the games console to buy the game, then it stays on the games console in order to buy further in-game purchases. Like the it just highlights exactly how these microtransactions
0: how this monetization is designed to sucker people on top of you know the way it plays on people who are adults who still don't get to fully appreciate how much money they've spent because they're microtransactions they're little they're tiny that's what makes them so
1: fucking nasty on 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 the nicer end of games i did play a game this week that is just a video game that comes out and you play the video game what and there are no additional things involved, you just buy the video game. What fucking mayhem is this? I know, right? What what world am I living in? What was it? Man of Medan. <gasps> that that one from the Until Dawn people. Oh yeah. yes.
0: Um you you tell people about Man of Medan. Because I've just got a status update on a delivery, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go grab that before it gets nicked off my fucking
1: stoop. Oh, quick, go get that, go get that. I'm excited, I'm excited for you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just gonna vamp for a second because I I think Jim's gonna want to hear about it as well. But uh, the 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 basics, Man of Medan. It's the new game by Supermassive, who are the people who made Until Dawn. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's basically you know how Until Dawn was. About 8 to 10 hour long Horror game, you make choices A bunch of teens in a cabin in the woods And spooky monsters in the woods Chasing them Yeah. This is that, but it's about 4 to 5 hours long, it's a much shorter thing And it's about a ghost ship Bunch of teens Go out on a a boat, they're like Hey, let's go diving, go look through Some like, military Plane that sunk in the ocean And not tell anyone that we found it Because you're probably supposed to tell people about these things uh let's just let's take some souvenirs with us. Oops, there's a ghost ship now. We're fucked.
2: I I can imagine a shorter experience suiting this type of game.
1: Yeah, this this is the thing. Like I played maybe the first 90 minutes of it, which was basically from the start of the game up to where the ghost ship happens. And I think the pacing really helped it. Um it definitely seems like it branches a bit more than Until Dawn did. At least like it starts branching earlier. Which is really nice, because obviously, like... Because it's not so long a game, they're like, ah, we can do all our branching, you know, with more of a pace. Yeah. The big... The two things about this that are, like, important to know compared to Until Dawn... You know that hold the controller still to not, you know, to stay calm mechanic that's broken? It's gone! Yes! (laughs) Do you want to know what they replaced it with? Uh,
2: you have to bash it off your face really (laughs) fast.
1: It's it's a button-based prompt now, uh it'll be like, ooh, it's tense, and you'll start hearing your heartbeat, and there'll be a visual indicator on screen, and you basically just have to press a button in time with your heartbeat to stay calm. Otherwise, yeah. So that's more reliable than a a motion control thing. It's an actual button that you press in time with your TV. It's fine. Um, The only other big difference is there's multiplayer. Oh, dear. No, I'm actually kind of into it. So the whole game has co-op. There are basically two forms of co-op. One, if you're sat around with your friends in your living room, and, you know, it's four or five hours, you could probably play this in a sitting. Yeah. You, you put your names in, you divvy up the characters, so I'll play as this one, I'll play as this one, and the game will just tell you when to pass the controller around, oh. and each of you will take control of your characters, and you'll play through the game together.
2: Oh, well, that's uh,
1: cool. Yeah. It It's basically what people were doing already. Like, yeah. people were just passing the controller back and forth while they played. Um they minimize like there's a few slightly fewer choices if you do it that way basically to avoid you having to pass the controller too often so some of the things like the the npcs will just make choices on their own occasionally but like let's say there's five of you playing you each get one of the one of the five playable characters and if they they die that's your character dead and the others play on and you know you shout your friends tell them what to do it's basically just what people already did just made into a mode. Uh, fair enough. The other mode is the one I'm really interested in. There's an online two-player co-op version, where sometimes, you know how in Until Dawn, sometimes the party would split and two people would go do one thing and at the same time two people would go do something else? Yeah. In this, if two scenes are happening simultaneously, one player will control one scene, the other player will control the other scene, you won't see what the other player's doing... Until you converge back together and suddenly it's like, oh shit, what what's going on? What did I miss? Uh. Um, so like, the example in the demo that I played was, um, early on, the party split. So like, two characters went diving in this this ship that was under the ocean. And two, play- uh, two characters stayed up on the boat up top and interacted with some pirates. Like, I think some pirates... Um, set the boat on fire a little bit and they like threw money at them to make them go away. So I come up to the surface and like the boat is partially on fire and there's dollar bills floating in the water and the other ca- the other player was just like nope, no- nothing happened everything's fine and like was just stonewalling me. I was like I have no clue what the fuck's going on here.
2: I'm no expert on um piracy. Yeah. But throwing money at them <laughs> <laughs> Make them go away
1: Yeah <sighs> Oh no, it totally didn't It totally didn't work in their yeah. favour Um, they were like Oh, you've got money to throw around So five minutes later they came back And held everyone at gunpoint <laughs> Um, but like That that was kind of interesting That there was a whole scene going on where I was like I don't know what happened And the other player has chosen to keep it a secret Because they're like, oops, I fucked up I'm not going to tell you that I fucked up Uh I found that really interesting. It, it 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 was a different way to go through that kind of experience, but Yeah. Basically, it's more until dawn but about a ghost ship and a bit shorter. And that's all I really wanted Man of Medan to be. Yeah. It's just more of the thing that was already good. None of that holding the controller in place prompt. And multiplayer if you want it, but it doesn't really take away from the single player.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. It's going to be good, I'd say. Yeah. When's it out?
1: Uh, end of August. So, like, it's not far off. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for that one. Have we got Jim back?
0: The USPS has a very funny definition of the word delivered.
1: Uh, was it not not there? I
0: don't fucking see anything. There's going to be phone calls made. or personal (laughs) appearances at the fucking post office made. If I do not see this package, to fucking day.
1: Have they just marked it as delivered because it was supposed to be before a certain time and that time has happened and they don't want to get in trouble? I'm
0: having that feeling. Yeah. They've got another five minutes before it's officially late.
1: Good luck. And I do not
0: fucking see anything. And I (laughs) I already have a certain level of cynicism... Towards the United States Postal yeah. Service, I've got extra cynicism for the local United States Postal Office, considering I've had things go fucking missing that are marked as fucking delivered. Yeah. If they fucked this one up. This is this is the one. This is my fucking wrestling fucking re-debut that I have had planned since friggin' December. December of last year. If they if if it's fallen at the final fucking furlong. Because of fucking USPS, I'm going to kick off. Sorry, but I'm, I'm going to kick off. That's, a, that's all
1: right. Do you feel better getting that out of your system? A little bit. Oh, they're, they're, oh, there are recriminations to be had. You got any uh, questions about that man and
0: So I picked up some of what you're saying. Um, um, so I caught you saying a little bit about co-op. Then I went to go and check the door again to make sure that my eyes did not deceive me.
1: The, the short version: Occasionally, if there's the part, the the party of characters splits, and there's two scenes happening at the same time, one player will do one scene at the same time the other player does the other scene. You'll come back together, and you may not have all of the information of what the other player did. Hmm. To to sort of sow some doubt between between members of the party because it's like i don't know what choices you made and why the, the fuck are you doing you miss mysterious fuck
0: that's interesting i remember kane and lynch doing interesting things with co-op where one person played a character with with delusions that made them behave erratically yeah um so the other player was like what the fuck are you doing i'm always interested in ideas like that
1: yeah so like for example on this like the, the first time this happened in the demo um I made a choice to rush up to the surface of the water from scuba diving without waiting to decompress. And I'm pretty sure later in that ga- the game, that, that means I'm going to start suffering from uh, the bends and I'm going to not be able to get through a quick time sequence properly. But the rest of the party don't know that. So they might rely on me at a crucial moment. It's like, oh, sorry, I rushed to the top of the water. You're fucked. Interesting. I, I find things like that interesting choices, but... They don't seem to be at the detriment of it being a single player game if you just want to play it single player in a single narrative. It's it's basically just more until dawn but a ghost ship and I'm really into that. Excellent. See nice. so, yeah.
2: I'm just getting flashbacks to when I played Gears of War on insane with gray online. <laughs> and I would dread I would dread the parts where you'd get split up because he would just keep running into the fucking Locust fire and I wasn't there to revive him over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, just like playing with the actual Dom AI in Gears of War.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the party splitting in Man of Medan, and then it comes back together. It's like, oh no, they killed off three of the five players. Don't know how they're all dead. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, what's everyone else played this week?
2: Uh, I played lots of New Vegas.
1: Yeah. How are you getting on with New Vegas?
2: Um, just reminded of what a absolutely wonderful and absolutely terrible game it is (laughs) it's one of the greatest stories and writing and acting ever put into a video game but the fucking bugs like all these years later let me tell you about a funny bug i had today right right so i'm idolized by the ncr which is like for anyone who hasn't played this game there's like a faction system in this where you do favors for factions and they like you or hate you uh, depending on what you do and who you piss off. So I'm completely idolized by this one faction. And uh, I go into their base to turn in a mission. And completely out of the blue, one of their soldiers, police dudes, just turns on me and is like, you should have paid the toll when you had a chance. Nobody fucks with the NCR. And the whole building turns on me. And I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> so I shoot up the building, try and remember, did I <laughs> offend this person at any point? Look it up on the internet. No, it's a bug. So I said, well, fuck that. I'm going to reload a save. Uh, when When I reloaded the old save from like two hours previous, because I stupidly had saved over my other ones, because I didn't know this would happen, because apparently the game had glitched my reputation from idolized to hated. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so suddenly they all hated me. So anyway, reloaded a two-hour-old save. Did your character say something on Twitter? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. So reloaded a two-hour-old save, went to do different things instead, said, I'll just hope for the best. So anyway, we're playing away. Like, hours, hours later, I'm wandering around Freeside. I start hearing gunshots. I run up to follow them. And there's that weird-looking fucking NCR glitchy policeman In a fight with Mr. House's robots in a completely different area of the world and they kill him. Ah. And I was just like, this game is... And that's only like, that's only like the tip of the fucking iceberg. There are so many broken quests in this game. I'm just like...
0: Oh, yeah. I love it. I love that game, but yeah.
2: Every... And and I'm like, I don't know how many... Like every half hour it crashes and it crashed so bad at one point I had to... Like it crashed my entire computer I couldn't alt tab out or I couldn't do task manager or anything. It crashes so bad it actually crashes your computer. But you know what? You keep on playing because it's just so goddamn good.
1: It's worth it. It's worth pushing through. It
2: really is. That story is so good and like I wish more games would do a faction system like that where instead of a binary morality thing there's this faction likes you because of the thing you did and this faction's pissed off at you because of the thing you did mm. you know? fallout 4 tried to do it but really
1: dropped the ball mm. uh i played a bit of a shit game this week that was a bit disappointing i played the the new mobile uh, phone version of dr mario uh, super dr mario world or whatever it's called it's 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 like all shitty mobile puzzle games like your sort of fucking Candy Crush and shit like that in that you get limited number of plays per day without paying real world money and the puzzles are deliberately designed to be near impossible to do so that you'll run out of moves and then pay for extra moves so that you can finish the puzzle. It's like, ah, you failed the puzzle but you can finish it if you just cheat and get a couple of extra moves. Well, I'll be honest,
2: I'm surprised Nintendo... Put out something like that.
1: Yeah, their, their mobile monetization has been really disappointing. Um, it's also not great just in terms of being a Dr. Mario game. Uh, if you've played Dr. Mario or similar games like Tetris and things like that, the whole tension is you've got the piece and it's falling down and you've got a limited amount of time to get it into place and rotate it and put it where you want it. On this... You just drag it where you want it. Like you don't have to do it. Like you know, before the time runs out and it hits the pot, you just drag and drop it where you want it, which takes away half of the challenge of a game like that. Mm. It's an it's another just kind of disappointing mobile game from Nintendo. The only
2: mobile game I ever tried was uh, Fallout Shelter, and five minutes of that was enough to know I don't like Fallout Shelter.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, I tried um uh, Angry Birds as well. That was kind of fun.
1: Angry Birds is is honestly not bad for for all the reputation it has. It's not bad.
2: Yeah, it's fun for like 5 minutes.
1: Exactly, which is all it really needs to be. Yeah. Um a cu- couple of bits of news we got this week. Um G2A, those those people that that resell game keys, they've not had a good week a bunch of indie developers got together and basically said, hey, we'd rather you steal our games than buy them on G2A, because quite often keys on G2A are bought using stolen credit cards, and those then get charged back with a fee to the developer to refund the person who was stolen from. And basically, if you steal from an indie developer, they get no money. If you buy from G2A, you might cost them money. So indie devs were like, no, don't buy from G2A. Just don't do it. And in response, someone at G2A emailed ten different media outlets asking them to publish undisclosed advertorial about. Uh, and, and this is G2A's headline. Not you know, not any hyperbole how it's practically impossible to purchase stolen game keys. <laughs> they blamed it on, like, oh, someone at the company did it and we we don't know who or why and and, and and we will make sure they're sternly reprimanded, but no further details, sorry. It really seems like they just tried to cover their own arses. <laughs> I'm probably making this the next Jimquisition. It deserves
0: to be. Oh, yeah. I've done a couple videos on their fuck-ups from last week. Um... I will say right now, and I don't want to talk about it too much just because I'm still saving up a, and I'm still um, collecting some thoughts and stuff for the video, but uh, I won't say they're lying when they said this was some rogue agent. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't want to be sued for libel again. Hmm. But I will say it is my personal belief that I do not fucking believe it. Yeah. And if I were to say I did, I would
1: also have to say that G2i... Are oh, the dumbest bunch of fucks I know. I would say my personal belief is that I think it's I personally think it's unlikely that someone at G2A had access to a database of journalist emails, took the time out of their work day to write an entire advertorial article that they wanted published, to write an accompanying email of, you know, asking for that 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 to be published. And to send it out to the press with absolutely nobody catching wind that that's what they'd spent their day doing. Yeah. And to not think that they needed permission from someone to sign off on doing it. I I find it personally hard to believe that that just accidentally happened and no one caught wind of it. Yeah, it strikes me as beyond
0: unlikely. Yeah.
1: That any company
0: with with any claim to professionalism would allow some then again it's unlikely that any company with a claim to professionalism would have done this in the first place
1: yeah it's i i struggle to picture how their version of events could have occurred yes but equally if their version of events you know could occur like well yeah e- even well, i don't know I don't understand how any company lets this happen.
0: Yeah. Either way, whether they did this as a fully corporate-approved email or if it was a rogue agent, both make G2A look incredibly stupid. Yeah. Incredibly stupid. It's the kind of thing where you look at G2A and you see how much damage it has had on the market, how no indie dev I know has ever had a good thing to say about them, Um, whether they're a veteran indie dev or not. You look at how damaging they've been. And this is why they're wildly incompetent. <sighs> if they knew what they were doing, they'd be so fucking dangerous. Yeah. It's almost a saving grace that they are as clearly inept as they are. Yeah. They make Bethesda look like they're on the fucking bowl. They make Konami look like they've got their head in their game.
1: Yeah. It's quite something. And I, I'm i just dumbfounded by this story existing.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is a company that's done business with digital homicide. That's how... Clued in and good at what they do, they are. Yeah. Fucking. G2A are, the, G2A are the pits. Yeah. I can't wait to go off on them again. I'm excited to see it happen. I'd love to be able to do it with my new mask that I'll be able to show off if it turns up, if it's not been stolen like everything else. <laughs> Fucking hope not. Fucking. I'm. I'm. The moment we're done here, I'm getting on the fucking phone. Good, good luck. Let me know when you find out what happened, because I am, I am uh... holding my breath on
1: this one. But uh, oh, I'll be sending you a picture as soon as I get it in, if I fucking get it in. Yes, please. Um, last bit of news we had this week was uh, it's finally official that there's a a switch light happening. Oh, uh, yes. It's a, it it's a bit smaller its screen has gone from like 6.2 inches to i think 5.5 it's got a slightly better battery life the the joy cons are built into it it doesn't work with the dock you you physically cannot dock it um it's basically a handheld portable only version of the switch it's basically a hundred pound or a hundred dollars less joy cons (laughs) we hate them
0: Geff doesn't like the word Joy-Con.
1: Nasty filthy
0: Joy-Conses! <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I think the only the other only other notable difference about it is it's got a D-pad rather than four separate buttons on the left hand side. And there's a cute yellow colour available. Oh, the turquoise one. I want I, I hate the, the, the functionality of this is not what I want. But I want that turquoise one, please.
0: Yeah. This is like Malibu Stacey with her new hat. It's like you yeah. show me a Cute little color on one of them, and then I'm like, yeah. "Oh, but maybe I could justify it somehow, even
1: though I really can't." I, I've been I've been spending today working out like how do I justify this as a as a as a thing? Because I can't get rid yeah. of my existing Switch because I need it for video capture. I tell you what, it would be easier
0: to fucking justify if Nintendo had a more reliable way to transfer data or yeah. consistent cloud saving. Cause then I'm like, all right, I'll have the old one in the dark and then I'll have my cute little yellow one that I can have at my side at all times. Yeah. But I never know what you can easily, or if you can even easily, well easily is not what you could never easily do something with Nintendo. Yeah. I never know what could be guaranteed transferred, whether there's a, if there was any kind of seamless experience guaranteed between Uh, Consoles, I'd be on board with this, but it's Nintendo, and Mm.
1: I'm I'm thinking about like what are the games that I would want to play handheld often enough that I would justify like a small little one that's easier to travel around with. I'm like Animal Crossing, that's not going to have cloud saves. Pokemon, not going to have cloud saves. Like the stuff that I would want this for doesn't support cloud saves. Yeah. That's what.
0: That's where they talk themselves out of yeah. me being interested in it. I've seen some people try and say this is more for, like, the 2DS crowd, people that, like, liked the 2DS, but I don't even think that's true, like, especially when you're promising better battery life and shit.
1: Here's, here's the thing. I think there is a, a market that this exists for. Um, ignoring the fact that it's called the Switch, but it doesn't switch between handheld and, and portable, that's a branding nightmare. But um, it's going to cost about, what is it, $200, about... 180 pound that is much 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 closer to what people expect out of a, a high-end games handheld like uh, if, if a middle a middle class family wants to get their 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 teenage kid a kind of slightly expensive gaming christmas present that's probably a much easier ask like under 200 pounds is much closer to something that will shift lots of units at christmas i get that Um, I get that there are families that would feel a lot more confident buying this for their kid because it's one solid piece of plastic, not a thing with separate controllers that can get lost and snapped off and whatnot. I think, like, if I was on a budget I wouldn't even mind getting this because I 99% of the time play the Switch as a handheld anyway. Like, I don't dock it often, but like, there are people this is for. There's not enough to justify me getting it when I already own a Switch. But the leaks about this months and months ago also said there's a Pro coming, so I'll probably just wait and see what the Pro is. Yeah. Because now that we know the Switch Lite exists, it's like, oh, okay, the Switch Pro clearly is real as well, and we're going to hear about that soon.
0: Yeah, I think I'll hold on. If it it weren't for cloud save things, I could be tempted to have one, Uh, especially because I'm doing a lot more travelling soon, so having uh, an even more portable version would be nice. But like you say, like... The games I'd be most interested in having cloud saves so I could uh, do some transfer stuff, I can't do it. Yeah. So we'll see how the pro does. Even then, there'll be issues with the pro, like, can I get my saves on one from one thing to another? Um, you never know with Nintendo.
1: Yeah. Like, I know no cloud saves, but can I manually move, like, my memory card to move saves over? Yeah.
0: It'd be nice to know.
1: If I can't move my... If there is zero way to move my Pokemon saves from my main Switch... To the, po- the the switch light like short of actually transferring all ownership over there is no reason for me to have this thing yeah like i need to be able to move my pokemon safe back and forth somehow or it's pointless and it would
0: damage the sales prospect of a pro as well like yeah. if, if if it turns out certain
1: things i cannot bring over you will be able to bring them over like full stop like let's say there's a hypothetical pro and you're like i want to get rid of the old switch just have the pro there is a thing that will just move all of your licenses, all of your games, just transfer everything over. Okay. I never know with Nintendo. Like, you can transfer all your stuff over onto a new system, but it's not a case of, like, I just want to transfer this one save. Gotcha. Fair do's. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I li- it's, There's a cute yellow one. It's, it's also why I like the, the Playdate, that little console with the crank, because also it is cute and little in yellow. Yeah.
1: I want the little blue one. Nintendo, give me a little yeah. blue one because I can't justify buying one. God damn But I want the little blue one because it'd look really cute.
0: Fucking capitalism. Yeah. It knows exactly
1: how to get to you. Just give me a regular Switch that's blue. Yeah. Don't don't make me have nice blue controllers and a stupid black console in the middle yeah. that's not matching the colour scheme.
2: Ourselves. Yeah, and also give me a goddamn fucking separate charger for the controller when I buy it. Because it's annoying having to use the same thing to charge the 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 switch and the controller. Because I always forget to do one of them. So I never play my switch.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, got anything else we want to talk
0: about this week? I'm mm. um, I'm good. I think I've gone through what I need to talk about. I I think I got everything out my system. Yeah, I've got fucking calls to make.
2: I beat that boss in in Bloodstained finally. The the Ninja Sword dude. Uh-huh. Yeah. And. uh got got much much further into it and have been enjoying it a lot you you two were right about that one.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah it's still probably my my top game of the year contender right now
2: when you unlock the double jump as well it's a complete game changer
0: oh yeah you just wait till you get the thing that makes you move fast oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the kind of thing where i'm like why why didn't i get this why wasn't this available hours beforehand
2: what was the game in recent memory in which the swimming bits were actually the most fun parts i'm trying to remember Oh, it was Grizz.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well... I will get us concluded so that I can go yell at people whose fault it probably isn't. Um, I'm not really a yeller, but I come close when it comes to dealing with the post office. But Laura, can you tell people about things that they can see that you have done and will do and will do again forever?
1: Yeah, me, what stuff do? Um, Laura K Buzz, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Uh, You can find me on Patreon at Laura K Buzz. That is what pays the bills. Please go chuck me a dollar a month if you can. That'd be super appreciated. LauraKBuzz.com, that is where all of the stuff I do gets posted. I've been doing a bunch of stuff on Sci-Fi Fangirls recently, which you can find links to on LauraKBuzz.com. Uh, I'm going to be on My Brother, My Brother and Me on July 15th. So check that out. That 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 is the thing I'm very nervous about. That's happening. Uh, Kotaku UK, I've, d- I've done a bunch of freelance stuff this week about uh, Man of Medan, go check that out uh, I'm at Coxcon this weekend which will be the first place you can buy my book Uncomfortable Labels uh, it officially releases on July 18th but there will be some copies at Coxcon in Telford so find me there I, I will have some copies Cool. Okay. Things I Learned From Mario's Butt that- that's coming out at the end of the summer it's that coffee table book about video game character butt designs I think that's the big ones. What about you, Gav?
2: How do you have the energy for it all?
1: (laughs) I don't fucking know. Oh,
0: shit. Did I just hear something drop on my floor? (gasps) Oh, shit. Hang on. Y'all still do your selling? Yeah,
2: yeah. Sell, sell. Miracle of Sound. Look it up on YouTube. Look it up on Spotify. Look it up on Patreon. Especially Patreon, because that helps keep me in a job. And you can hear all my songs, including the latest one about Bloodborne, which is doing really, really well. So off you go. Oh, and Bandcamp. Uh, uh, people give out to me that I always forget to plug my Bandcamp. There you go.
1: Oh. Yeah. Well, let's wait for Jim to come back and find out if he got his post.
2: Yeah. I've got t-shirts too. So then if we've got more space, go, go, go buy my t-shirts because yeah. then you can go to a party and you'll have a t-shirt on by a really obscure artists no one's ever heard of and you can be the cool person who's like the hipster at the party and you can be like "Yo, i knew this artist but you probably never heard of them yeah. they're pretty indie i i would consider myself more of an indie veteran at this point though
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you, you want to check out my memoir but not have to use your eyes to read it there's an audiobook it comes out on august 18th you can pre-order that at laurakbuzzstore.com yeah is that too
2: it'd be like listening to podquisition without me in it Something that I know some of you would absolutely love.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, I'm out Jim as well, because he's gone and buggered off.
2: Yeah, I don't think Jim's ever coming back.
1: I don't believe
0: what I hold in my head. <laughs> Do you have it? <laughs> Is it there? <laughs>
1: Oh, I can't wait to wear this. I can't wait to see this. It's
0: all on for Friday.
2: <laughs> I hope you enjoy it, Skeletor.
1: Castle <laughs> Grace go!
0: I can't wait to get this on. Oh, Friday's going to pop off. <laughs> I'm going to be in Collins, Mississippi. Collins Civic Centre, Friday. That's going to be the start of something beautiful, and believe me, it ain't ending at Mississippi now that I've got this fucking baby in my hands.
2: At this point, you're a veteran of the indie wrestling scene.
0: I am, I'm a veteran indie. <laughs> Uh, right, well, uh, I'm going to go try this on. So is, did everyone do their things? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we done our shit. Excellent. All right. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Um, we will see you next time in, in a post-super-heavyweight supervillain world.
3: <laughs>
0: <sighs> see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.